Hello viewers, and thank you for joining us for episode 21 of Engine's Tech Talk Sprint Series, where we hear from cutting edge fintech firms about the challenges facing the industry and discuss the tech that can assist in addressing them. My name is Henry Bewley, and I'm membership and engine coordinator for the Investment Association. Today's Engine Tech Talk session is titled Crypto Asset Insurance, What Professional Investors Need to Know. And I'm delighted to be joined by Ben Whitby, who is the VP of Strategic Partnerships and Regulatory Affairs for Credo. Ben will be answering five key questions to provide insights on the requirement for and the increasing role of digital asset insurance and how it may affect institutional involvement in decentralized finance. As always, this slide outlines the session outcomes for today, along with a brief overview of Credo. I'd welcome viewers to pause and read through the information, but for the sake of time, I will move straight on to the questions. So Ben, the first question we have for you is, what do users need from digital asset insurance? Well, first, let me start by saying thank you for inviting us to uh, attend this session. It's, um, I think, timely to talk about crypto assets and insurance and the uh, the space in general and how standards needs to to improve toward move towards a a more robust institutional framework that we need in place to kind of take this industry forwards to its next phase of growth so uh really appreciate this and hopefully we can we can cover off various different um key questions and concerns by some of the members that are looking and maybe struggling to kind of get into the space um so with regards to the question what do users need from digital asset insurance the the answer really is it depends um and it really depends because the types of crypto assets that firms might be dealing with can be very different so what do i what do i mean by that i mean that people talk about crypto assets and instantly think about bitcoin and maybe if they're more sophisticated they think about uh ethereum and some other kind of crypto assets that fall into various different categories but for those that are very initiated, they're now thinking about um, they're now thinking about non-fungible tokens and tokens that represent digital items in a very unique way. And today, when people talk about non-fungible tokens, they typically talk about bored apes or crypto punks because they're the NFTs that have got market traction. But the NFT technology can be used to drive anything that is digital. And one of the things that seems to be getting a lot of traction in enterprise is NFTs or digital assets that correlate with high value goods, such as handbags that cost 3,000, 5,000 pounds or, or, or trainers or other different types of things like that. So really the first thing that a user needs to to really understand is what type of assets that they're looking to secure and if those are digitally nascent uh, digitally native assets like bitcoin and ethereum then they absolutely need to consider whether they need insurance over them if they are assets that um have got a kind of a backing of some sort of physical 
or fiat position, then they need to understand where their risks lie with regards to um, the position of the underlying state and whether those assets, like the dollars or the, the euros that make up that are correctly insured. And they need to understand their own governance and their own controls over those assets and how they're actually moving those within a different position. So, you know, the things that we can do now with crypto assets are quite um, quite unique. We can we can wrap and create different assets. We can fractionalize them. We can turn one asset into a thousand assets. Um, we can do all sorts of different things. And the crypto insurance space has really only thought about crypto insurance for Ethereum or for or for Bitcoin or for other kind of nascent assets. So it really is quite new in terms of what you're trying to look to kind of insure. But yeah, the, the first step for all of this would be to, to make sure that you've got documented your your asset structures that you're wanting to uh, to ensure um, the way that you're managing those assets, the the governance that you've got over those assets and how they're controlled. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we do at Credo is we we provide a service and a technology platform to allow asset managers, hedge funds, enterprise level clients an ability to manage their own assets which you know, we cycle back to the beginning of the conversation, it's really important to manage your own assets because if you don't manage your own assets, then somebody like FTX could be managing those assets for you, in which case you'd find yourself in a world of crypto insolvency right now. Um, and then we need to understand how much risk we're prepared to pay versus we're prepared to take versus the costs that are involved in making sure that we've got that coverage. And so therefore when people typically come to the market, they say, I've got a hundred Bitcoin, I need to insure a hundred Bitcoin, and then are surprised when it's costs a hundred Bitcoin to insure a hundred Bitcoin. Um, and therefore the, the education around the way that assets are structured, the various different disaster recovery practices are put in place um, and how insurance might be added as a last and final layer to protect you from any kind of loss if your policies and processes fail um, needs to be considered. So it might be that you need 1%, 5%, 10%, 20%. I don't know anybody that's taken uh, more than 20% unless I think I think one one user is is taking more than 20% because they've got assets in the NFT form that are very um, illiquid assets and it would be like insuring a, a piece of valuable art, for, in, for instance, and it'd be very difficult to replace that. Whereas if you're insuring more fungible assets, it would be much easier to replace that. Thank you for that, Ben. Uh, we'll move straight on to the second question we have for you, which is, has the insurance on offer grown in tandem with the wider crypto market? In an answer, yes, it has. Um, people have been really looking at coming into this market 
as they get more comfortable with the asset class, as they get a better understanding and fundamentally as as we get more data. Um, the insurance space is built on a number of different and well, ta- very talented ac- ac- actuaries, um, assessing the data of the risk and the losses. And yeah, each each year that passes, we get more comfortable that the the space can start to take that next level in maturation. Our third question for you is: How is insurance for digital assets different to that for traditional assets? So, how is how is insurance for digital assets different to that for traditional assets? So many different ways, um, and, and in so many ways the same. <laughs> We've got, like, like I mentioned earlier, the the the. The teams of people that are looking at the historic data are are very very well skilled and briefed in uh, the challenges of loss positions. When losses typically happen, you typically enter into detailed conversations about technology and hacks, but very often it 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 falls like many other things to failures in people, process or technology. And if you can start to take that assessment, um, it's a very easy and natural next step. The technology that Credo uses to secure assets has actually been around for uh, the best part of 20 years. Multi-party computation really was a piece of technology that was built that was looking for a problem to fix. And um, the ability to abstract from a private key, which is a single piece of information, into governance and allowing your team to manage those assets is a perfect application of this cryptography. And I think we've all come across cryptography in our everyday lives when we're using uh, the internet and we move from HTTP to HTTPS. And it's really, that narrative that the insurance market has had to come to terms with and understand. It's like, this isn't actually anything new. You've actually been using this technology for a very long time. And every time you see the URL in your bar turn green, that's actually encryption working to protect you. We're just using that encryption, that that mathematical process to protect what is a digital asset rather than a um, physical asset. Now, where that starts to get really interesting is um, when you start looking at the asset class themselves, because typically a digital asset um, is digital and you can make infinite numbers of copies of it without losing any quality and without losing any kind of position. So if I've got a picture of a cat, I could give you a picture of a cat really easily. You could give thousands of your friends a picture of a cat really easily. But if I turn that picture of a cat into an NFT, then I can give you my NFT of that cat and you can demonstrate that the ownership has transferred from me to yourself, which is a very different proposition. Now, that makes an interesting conversation with the insurance market because they can now, and paralleling 
having these conversations with with the, the London market over the last couple of years has been really insightful because if you look at the digital contents of your phone and all the photos that you take, that digital context has been treated in the UK legal system in a particular way. But actually, very little value is accrued to that um, that that content. But as soon as you apply something like an NFT structure on top of that, then you can start accruing value to that. So you can start rewarding creators in a way that when they create something in a digital format, they can accrue the same kind of value as if they'd painted it on a canvas or or taken a real life photo and created a kind of book or something else like that. And so it gives it gives business and enterprise a greater option to go and explore this digital space in a way that they can start to monetize it. And then once you've got a business that's working in the digital space, you need to start looking and assessing risk in a different way, because you've not only got your risk of your traditional business um, in terms of your staff base, but say, for instance, um, Nike is a really good example. They've been amazing pioneers in the space with the acquisition of Artifact. Um, I think they made over $150 million last year in selling digital goods. But you can imagine if somebody wanted to steal $150 million worth of trainers, they were going to need a pretty big cargo ship to take them away. Whereas you can steal $150 million worth of NFTs if your security practices are lax quicker than you can click your fingers. I think we've already got a hint at the next question in this slide with uh, about how hard it is to get insurance. So our also question is, how do you get insurance for crypto? Well, the, the 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 quick answer is you talk to us because we've been working really hard for the last four years to to really kind of educate the insurance market in um, in this space, and they are really keen to engage they have been listening and we now have uh, a world leading policy in place with the london market which means that any asset manager hedge fund enterprise client like nike can come to us and say right we're going to use credo to secure our assets and we would like to speak with your insurance broker please and figure out how we can ensure our assets appropriately and we can do that for you and you can be up and running with assets on your accounts within probably a couple of weeks which is amazing just need to fill out the various different forms demonstrate you've got the the right kind of controls in place pay your premium and you're away um if you compare and contrast that to a year ago, it's a very different story. If you wanted insurance, you would have to rely on a custodian, probably giving you uh, oversight on umbrella cover. Um, you wouldn't be able to have it in your own name for your own firm's name. Whereas the, the, the agreement that we've got is, you know, if Nike came to us and said, Ben, could you kind of help make the introduction to the brokers to take this forwards? 
we've got $100 million worth of assets that we want to insure. We want to insure 10%. Um, so we're looking to take a $10 million cover. We can make that make that introduction and make it happen in just a matter of weeks. Whereas previously, it would be a very long and convoluted position. Um, just looking at the kind of the bullet points in the slide, it's worth also covering um, the DeFi position as well. And so the DeFi position is for people that are more mature in their thinking in terms of the digital asset space. And when you're holding assets, most organizations start with Bitcoin um, historically. A lot of them are starting with Ethereum now. And then they start going down the kind of value curve. It's like, first thing I want to do with this asset is I want to hold it and get market exposure to this. And then the next thing that I want to do with this asset is I want to uh, stake it and get yield on this. And then the next thing that I want to do with this asset is actually loan it out and get further yield from, from this exposure and use it as collateral. And different types of things that you can possibly do with the treasury management of your, your crypto stack. And so it's got to a position where many people are putting assets like Ethereum on their balance sheet first looking to stake that. I think the risk-free rate that's currently at Ethereum is around 4 to 6%. So that's you know pretty attractive, or at least it was in a negative interest rate world. Um, and then the next level is kind of how do I how do I take assets from this and gain yield for a different type of activity? So you might choose to go to Aave, for example, and take a loan against your assets. And the Aave uh, loan position is a smart contract based position where you deposit your Ethereum, say, into the loan contract and you take out an asset in um, Aave that is collateralized by your Ethereum. And there's a different kind of risk cascade that you're running on that. But you might want to make sure that your assets that you've deposited into the Aave contract have insurance against them or cover against them. And that's where I would use uh, partners like Nexus Mutual to go and make sure that those assets that are in those smart contracts are protected. Um, and then there's all sorts of other different things happening, like mentioned NFTs, we've mentioned other kind of tokenized institutional positions. There's a there's a sandbox being formed by HMT and the FCA at the moment for tokenized positions. So it's it's changing at a very, very rapid pace. Thank you for that. Well, speaking of changing at a, at a rapid pace, um, will more insurance offerings help accelerate institutional involvement in, in crypto and DeFi in a space that doesn't necessarily adapt very quickly historically? Um, I think it will. Yeah, I think it will. I think um, we're going to get to a position where more regulation, more certainty in terms of the, the, the coverage that will be needed will be a little bit mandated by various different uh, regulations that come through. And so it really will become just the norm to go and get insurance over your crypto assets in the same way that it's a norm to get insurance over various different other types of business activity like uh, DNO, ENO, cyber, property, you know, all sorts of other different types of positions. It's obviously maybe not going to be a 100% prerequisite at this moment in time, but as things mature, absolutely.
I think yeah, there's a there's a there's a point there about compliance and about how um, we're moving it from a T plus two to a T plus zero framework. And I think that's very important for traditional finance to understand because when you consider things like Basel and the risk-weighted assets, taking the ability to reduce two days worth of risk-weighted asset exposure off your balance sheet and the Basel savings that that will have in terms of uh, the capital that you need to store within your organisation is, is really significant. Uh, excellent. Well, that brings us to the end of the session. You've covered quite a lot of ground there, Ben, so thank you for the wide range of insights that you've provided. Uh, just a few concluding points for me to cover off. If anyone watching has a question they'd like to ask Ben, or if you'd like more information about Credo and their offerings, then please contact them by the email address on the current slide, or visit their website, which is also displayed. It's been great speaking with you, Ben, and thank you for taking the time to participate, and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me and welcome to have any kind of dialogue with people that are looking to explore the space. We run various different AMAs and um, marketing sessions with with firms as well. And um, we're out there in the market talking to as many people as we can about, uh, about this space. So if you're keen to learn, we're keen to talk. Thank you for listening to this Tech Talk Sprint podcast from Engine. Engine is the Investment Association's fintech hub, serving the investment management sector, the only buy-side-focused hub of its kind globally. For more information about Engine or any of our fintech solution providers, please visit theiaengine.com, where you will also find all of these interviews in video form. Finally, don't forget to make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and follow at IAEngine on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and TikTok.